0: This life ain't for everybody breaking it down series hopefully y'all are enjoying our new little sub series here off of this life ain't for everybody doesn't mean we're not going to have the ball players and the musicians and the military and the doctors and the fighter pilots and all of the different walks of life that you've become accustomed to here at the podcast. But we just like to break down certain topics that are just on the top of my mind. And you know, you've been hearing about beards and you've been hearing about celebrities and relationships and cocktails. And what else have we broke down? It's hard for me to remember. We've done so many of these things.
1: Yeah, uh, we broke down you not drinking for 30 days, not how drinking, lame that which was. which I did that. That
0: was lame. Then I shaved my beard off <laughs> and that's now lame. Your beard
1: shaved I'm off. totally going just total uh hipster. Maybe you've broken down. Oh,
0: beard's have, hip hipsters have beards. What is a hipster?
1: Somebody that's hip, I guess. Yeah, but is it a hippie? Or what is a hipster? I don't even know the definition of a hipster. Man bun. I think you have to write your memoirs on a typewriter. You have to have a man bun, you have to like food, you have to be a foodie. But that's
0: still not a definition of a hipster. I
1: know, I don't what know. What do they,
0: they live for? Like what is it? They believe in the
1: 60s? Those are hippies. Is it hipster I know, hipster the
0: hipsters believe in that time frame, but they don't wear bell bottoms. They believe in long hair, but they don't believe in having it down, so they man bun it up. Mm. They that's believe weird. in that kind of music, but they try to create their own, so they get get, get a guitar and sit on the street corner. I don't understand what a hipster is. How come they're all foodies, too? I don't think What is a foodie? Where does that name come from?
1: Like you go to all the hip new restaurants in town, and you give them positive or negative Yelp reviews based upon food and service. So a foodie
0: is a critic?
1: Yeah. So what if you don't critique other people's food, but you love
0: food and you love to cook? Are you a foodie? See, I don't think they cook. They don't cook? I don't believe so. But they just have – they think their taste buds are there. I think so.
1: <clears throat> have you that's an seen interesting uh, yeah that's an interesting take on it isn't it how dare you criticize somebody's food if you can't make your own well remember the movie chef have you seen chef with john favreau yeah yeah remember how he's
0: in the restaurant dustin hoffman's the owner and he gets the terrible review and then they challenge the writer to come back in you know but john favreau gets fired but that writer wants to you know he's gets yelled at by john favreau like who are you to critique my food i'm an executive chef all these years of training and traveling the world and learning the art of culinary and all this stuff who are you just to sit on your your little typewriter your you know your ipad or keyboard or whatever and say that that meal sucked so that guy, like, you know, one, I'm wondering if that guy had credibility. Like, did you train in France? Did you train under Wolfgang Puck or one of, you know, a, a, You know, there's way better chefs than that, I'm sure. But did you train culinary to ever be able to say, well, this meal sucked? Like,
1: you know, what's? it, it just hit me. Is we talked about sushi and you talked about, you know, you're not making that big, huge bowl of soy sauce and dunking it in. But that's what a lot of people do. And – you well, know, that's not how you eat sushi. But then right, again, I'm,
0: I'm an asshole for saying
1: for telling somebody how to eat sushi. No, but I, but if you think about that, I mean, it's weird that if you don't know what you're doing, and, and I mean, it's preference, right? I mean, are these fries too salty for you? Is that you know steak too smoked for somebody else? But people that are trained, people that understand, just like you said with the sushi, it's not meant to be dunked in a bowl of soy sauce and a pound of wasabi and that's the truth you know well when
0: you cook potatoes and you learn how to do let's say crispy hash browns on a flat iron and you use the right chemistry of good olive oil salt and pepper mixture the right temperature the right internal temperature of the potato giving the outside the crisp that you want the first thing people do is douse it with ketchup yep ketchup's a strong taste it's got a ton of sugar in it it's sweet it's something that has become a crutch so my whole thing is with eggs too we never take the time to just put our fork down in an omelet and taste the linguisa or the chorizo or the sausage or the bacon or the mushroom or the pepper we douse it in hot sauce and and all of that stuff and ketchup Mm -hmm. I understand that, well, that's the flavor I want. Well, the flavor profile of food is special without that. I'm not saying that a little drop of Tabasco here and there doesn't enhance a a culinary experience by no means. But if you watch Tyson put hot sauce on a burrito, he's Mm -hmm. not even tasting that burrito. So you can't say that that burrito is better than... That burrito, like Casa Lupe in, in Gridley, California, is better than any Taco Bell on any corner in America if you're dousing it with an o- 10 ounces of hot sauce. And then sushi, I'll finish with, is that fresh fish is flavorful on its own. Yellowtail has a different flavor than salmon, that has a different flavor than tuna, that has a different flavor than fatty tuna, that's different than octopus, that's different than unagi. All of them are different. So if you just dip it in that wasabi ginger or uh, wasabi mix with soy— a lot soy you can you can't tell me that soy sauce isn't one it's of the most pungent, taste. strong tastes out there as far as seasoning ointments go mm-hmm. or sauces go, right? It's like why would you what 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 you're not really tasting the fish is my point. And then if you get a big sushi roll, American style roll, it's full of mayonnaise and hot sauce and teriyaki sauce mm-hmm. and plum sauce and sweet sauce and all this stuff, you're not really getting the fish. So do you really like raw fish or do you just like all that bullshit that comes along with it?
1: And that kind of goes back to like a review, right? Did you, did you put the wrong kind of hot sauce on your food? Did you put too much ketchup on your hash browns and now you're blaming the restaurant? Or did you really take a bite of it without, did you over salt, you know, your stuff when it came over or did you try it right when it got there and you didn't agree with it? It's funny. It's funny. It's an interesting topic and I've got some experience in the restaurant world and, you know, I, I, a lot of times, especially like with steaks and burgers and stuff, you know, people order that stuff well done. You know, or or they want some crazy, you know, almost unhittable meat temperature, and then they and then they want to complain. You know, you know, steak well done. You, you should just know that it, it it's no well, it's not it's not good that way. It might but be why what did, you like. Have it. you
0: ever thought of how somebody gets to that point? Because there's no way that if you eat a filet mignon the right way at 131 133 degrees internal temp. With the right dry rub or the right salt and pepper mixture on it, the right char and the right reverse sear, that you can eat that same piece of meat well done at 155 degrees and go, well, that was that was nice. No, I I don't know how it's done. But have you ever thought about how people get to that point? Like, how do they get to there? Like, do you know my? Do you know anybody that orders everything well done?
1: I I don't. Uh, Jilly orders medium well which is too much i i hate going to the steakhouse with her and she knows that she's not ordering it correctly but she doesn't like you know the raw meat she doesn't like sushi either you know so you know i don't know maybe if it's a is it a bad experience or is it is it inexperience i i tend to lean towards inexperience right i think that most people are going to tell you rare medium rare something like that you know that's the only way to have a steak people get a misconception of it they might have never even tried it or maybe somebody (laughs) served somebody some blue rare or something you know that was way too far the other way and it's soured them on the experience i don't know so it's kind of like
0: self-proclaimed influencer i saw this thing today where this good-looking girl was um my buddy sent me a, a a copy because they know i love to rap they love they know i love hip-hop and i love the freestyle and all that so this girl's lip-syncing a very nasty m&m song but she's good at it she's she's got the timing and you can tell that she's got the right body parts moving as far as her hands like this and she's got the body motion with her neck and everything so she kind of has the rhythm of the m m beat But I'm watching it, and it says on her thing that she's a self-proclaimed influencer. Mm. And I thought that that was so cool that she knows that that's what she is. Because... In today's world of social media, everybody is an influencer. Everybody is insta-famous. Everybody is now what we're talking about a foodie. Mm -hmm. So if you're an ambassador for a gun company, but you really aren't that proficient with the gun, you just have a hundred thousand followers because you're cute, or you have a six pack of abs, or you're well spoken, or whatever. You
1: got some stick you do.
0: You just put out a little thing, 20% off if you use this code, you get this off of this holster or this gun or whatever. That's not credibility in the marketplace. Mm -mm. That's kind of gone out the window. So with foodies, I'm wondering if it's the same thing like if you're going to go to a restaurant and critique it what means do you have to get a reader to put credibility and trust in you to not go there if it's negative or to go there if it's positive yeah and
1: i think that's a big complaint in the world nowadays right i mean at least from from a business standpoint is that you know everybody's got this real loud voice now and like you said who who are you to you know create critique somebody's food you can you, everybody knows what service is right if you got bad service and that's your deal to go on to a review site and do but food you're right i mean if you can't cook it or if you don't know the elements of it or i mean what if you ordered something that you're not but used then again, to but
0: but do you but like if you if you grew up eating your mom and dad's cooking and you've become accustomed to gravy that tastes this way or macaroni sure. and cheese that was cooked this way or lasagna that your mom did your mom might have made a great lasagna might have made it baked a great apple pie but then you go to a restaurant it doesn't live up to your expectations based on what your mom did then you have to ask the question Well, was your mom trained or did you were you forced to like it or are you just used to that style or have you really had a good macaroni and cheese that's done right with the right flavor profiles but you've not you're not accustomed to that or not used to it so then when you do finally experience it you're like whoa that's not what macaroni and cheese is supposed to taste like. So you've automatically, ah, uh, it's average, right? Because
1: it's not like mom's. It, it, it's funny you bring up mac and cheese because that that mac and cheese that you make is way different than, you know, what a lot of people would consider mac and cheese. And And if you love that orange cheese flavored macaroni and cheese and you try a real one, you know, with like a three cheese blend that's got all the other elements to it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You're gonna go, oh this, yeah, our right, craft is way better than this, or you know whatever your orange colored one is different. But in actuality, you know that one that is made with all the different cheeses and all that's hundred times better macaroni and cheese. Um, so what is a foodie? Uh, now I'm rethinking what a foodie is. I, 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 they think they've lost all credibility with well. You know, Christy Crabtree, I think, would call herself a foodie. She's also a hell of a chef. So she's got every right to be one, right?
0: Well, according to who? I,
1: I, I guess anybody that would follow her or uh, take her as an influencer, right? I, I would give her credibility. She can cook and she could probably critique food.
0: I'm not saying that she doesn't have credibility because I know her and I know that she does.
1: But let's say that Christy Crabtree or Nevada Foodies is just somebody that we don't know. Yeah, then that's what I mean. It, who knows now? That's why I'm starting to question all of it. Is it just that you have a passion for food? So you like, I'm a foodie. No, but that's not fair. If, if, if you just listen to the last but 10 minutes. you're not really a
0: critique, though.
1: You're not really a critic, I should say. I think most of those people use one of those platforms, though, and they are critics. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think that's an element to being a foodie is that they've got that Yelp page or whatever it is, you know, and they they grow on there or go on there and critique places that they eat. I think that's part of it. So yeah, now now I'm frustrated even more. I don't think okay. It's- so if you're a critic, which I guess we're breaking down critics today.
0: I was gonna break down. I was thinking last night about what movies funnier, Wedding Crashers or The Hangover Part One. And I started thinking about all the different parts and the theme and the plot of the movie and, like, how genius both of them were. So I guess we'll have to do that on another episode. But let's take The Foul life for example. Some people will go, it's the best waterfowl show ever made. And then I'll get a, crit- a critic that'll write in and go, it's nothing but a piece of shit music video with a bunch of loud rock and roll country music over, over the hunt and... You guys are cooking too much. You're an infomercial. You're Ricky Bobby. It's this and that. Like, they hate it. They hate on it. What's the difference? If somebody goes, man, that's the best show in the world, but then this guy goes, your show sucks, but both of them, neither one of them have credibility as far as being in production, understanding TV or putting it together or any of that. What's the difference? One guy makes you feel good. The other guy cuts your throat and tries to ruin your day. Mm-hmm. Do you just take them both with a grain of salt and keep doing what you do? Yes. Or do you go, oh, wow, we're kicking ass because somebody said it's the best TV show in the world. Well, that
1: guy just said it's a piece of shit. So, like, and then you can say that for food, too. I'll tell you from from the ice cream world, and and our our buddy partner says it all the time, you can't please everybody. Right. You'll get you'll get one person that buys a pint of ice cream and says, you know, way too much chocolate chip cookie dough pieces in this, you know, could barely taste the ice cream. You you give that same carton to another person and they'll say not enough, you know, chocolate chip cookie dough bites in there. And so you go back and I go back and forth in my head. You know, we're selling ice cream, so there should be. You know, plenty of ice cream in the container, but I also understand if it's chocolate chip cookie dough, you want to those cookie dough. Pe- you can't please everybody, so don't you put and, the
0: same amount in every? Do you make it in a huge batch and yeah. then whatever gets scooped into a pint? That's the the cookie dough no, you no, get no, into no. it.
1: Well, a, a machine, you know, it's running down a line, and there's a feeder that's got an auger that you set at different speeds t- and different auger um, spacing, so that it puts the same amount into the carton, right? But you control how fast it's going in there. So you can turn it up and put more cookie dough pieces in there. You can turn it down and put less in there. So finding that magic number, you know, where everybody's happy is hard. You know, we you, you try and set it, say the number five last time and, you know, maybe two people say, hey, uh, I like to see more cookie dough pieces in my ice cream. You put it to five and a half and you'll get two people that go, you know, I'm eating a a chocolate chip cookie now. I'm not eating, you know, ice cream anymore. It's hard. You know, like you said, you can't, I I said, you can't please everybody. And I think your show same, you'd, you'd run into the same problem. There's people out there that just want to see a million ducks get slaughtered on camera. And there's people out there that, you know, how many times do you want to see a duck get shot? I want to see camp and I want to see that cool drone footage. And I want to see, you know, whatever, a famous musician or a baseball player. And I know there's a ton of people out there wanting to know how to properly cook ducks. So I sure, you know, I know that you've hit a big demographic of people there. But that same guy that wants to see a million of them get killed might not want to know how to cook them. He's happy making jerky with them or whatever he's been doing his whole life. Can't please everybody. Can't. I don't don't believe you can. So... Does a foodie just want to hear him or
0: herself talk?
1: Yep. They is want to that be relevant. What it is? They want to be relevant. So they're trying to make a name for themselves like a self pro- you, you hit it, a self-proclaimed influencer, right? That can be on Instagram or anything. But to be a real food critic, like you would think that you can't
0: just sit there and go, Well, I've eaten it every I eat food a lot. We all eat food. That doesn't mean that we have a palate for it. Because if that was the case, then everybody would be Everybody could become the best cook in the world, you know, according to a foodie that doesn't really have the palate for what food can really become. Does that make sense how I'm saying that? Yeah. If you just say everything's good, if you just or let's say that what I mean by that is like if you have not been trained in culinary arts and you just eat food, what basis do you have to like say something's not good or that it is good it's just based on what you had and everybody's entitled to their opinion but why are you putting it out there for the rest of the world unless you're getting paid by somebody to do this and you're going around and you're making money becoming this food critic i guess there are food critics that restaurants rely on like if if there are critics that if they walk into a restaurant and they're sitting there the restaurant's like oh god this could make us or break us.
1: That have like a publication or something like yeah, that. like that they're they, in a book or yeah, Food and yeah, Beverage yeah. Magazine oh, yeah. or something like that. Do those still exist? Yeah. I imagine they
0: do. Yeah. Food and Beverage Magazine online, Michael Pollitz gets 14.1 million readers a month. Holy. So if Michael goes into a restaurant and he's the founder of Food and Beverage Magazine and he's got that kind of pool with that many readers and he goes on there and says, I ate a, ate a American almond beef ribeye and it sucked- that's a big pull. Yeah, you're in trouble. People will be, wow. Well, some of them could get curious and go, well, I wonder if you cooked it wrong. American almond beef, that sounds cur- – I'm curious. That sounds interesting. My point is is that really if you just eat food your whole life, which we all do, why do we care what other people think, what we think of a place?
1: Right. Or what we think of something? Well, and, and it's so different because I don't care for tomatoes. You know, I eat pasta sauce and ketchup and all that. But, but – uh, if, if it doesn't have, uh, you know, f- fresh mozzarella cheese and uh, balsamic vinegar on it, I-, I won't eat a raw tomato. So if you make me the best, whatever, uh, pico de gallo out there, I might not like it because I don't like raw tomatoes. But that doesn't mean it wasn't good. So maybe, maybe a guy like you just said that's a, a real food critic would be able to know what that tastes like even though it might not be his preference where someone that isn't into that game or or is a a foodie you know an amateur critic is just going to say yeah that was terrible well let's take something simple if you something else that has tomatoes
0: on it but they're cooked pizza one of the probably one of the most eaten foods in the world i don't know of another what food would be more eaten than pizza you think rice probably rice across you know, Asia and different continents, but in America,
1: pizza's got to be one of the top foods eaten, right? And it's like a universal language, right? I mean, do we got to fast fast check it? Is it hamburgers <laughs> or pizza? Ooh, Most hamburgers eaten might
0: be. food in America is.
1: I'm. It's got to be pizza. Hmm. I'm saying it's got to be pizza. Wow. Yes, the single
0: food that most Americans would want to eat for the rest of their lives is pizza. Huh. 21% of survey participants chose as their answer. It beat out steak, tacos, pasta, and even the undeniably American hamburger. Really?
1: I mean, I'm not I'm not overly surprised, but So if you say pizza, your your argument's going to be that anybody could critique a pizza right well that should be that, able to so that's what we're going with this to. now
0: is what constitutes a good pizza because you have marketing campaigns out there papa john's then you got little caesars that advertises like crazy then you have mom and pops you have ones that don't really nationally advertise you have the round tables of the world you have um you have Domino's. That's kind of reinvented themselves. You have then you have more custom pizza places, right? That have the more Italian style wood, you know, brick wood, uh, wood wood burning ovens and brick ovens. Artisan pizza, artisan pizza stuff
1: like this. What constitutes a good pizza? I mean, it's kind of funny because I I like traditional pepperoni pizza. It, you know, people not from Reno, but JJ's Pizza to me, is is lights-out pizza. And it's just a very traditional... We're still, you think that. Still. But I do at times crave what I just said, that, that more artisan-style pizza, that thinner crust, you know, cooked in a brick oven. Uh You know, I had one the other night that was like prosciutto, arugula, cheese, red sauce, you know, and it was unbelievable. But... That's like a every once in a while for me. If I'm going to go have, you know, if I'm going to eat pizza with my friends, I'm going to a place like JJ's. What about you? Um, I think that there's, now
0: I'm not saying like where I go, but I'm looking at it for like what makes a good pizza. Obviously, the base, the foundation of it is the crust, right? So do you like deep dish? Do you like traditional? Do you like thin crust? I'm right in the middle, like a traditional crust is what I want. Um, Deep dish is just too doughy for me, too big. Like calzones don't do it for me. It's just too much dough. But I think a good pizza is cooked at the right temperature. I think that you get a little bit of the bark on the cheese. You get a little bit of crisp on the onions, a little bit of crisp in the raised edges on the pepperoni, the linguisa. You get a little bit of that crust that it bubbles up, but it doesn't bubble up so bad that it, that it tears through. And you see big air pockets in it and stuff. I like pizza that's got good texture of the right amount of oil being used or the right amount of cornmeal, the right amount of substance that gets the cheese and the sauce to stick to the crust in a better way. Not like too I'm much that.
1: Uh, huh? Not too much grease. Not too much grease.
0: I'm looking at all of that stuff when the pizza comes out to where I want it to be an enjoyable, but I don't want it to be too heavy on the cheese. I want it to have mm. a good amount of vegetables. I don't want it to be too spicy. I don't want the the I don't want the tomato sauce to be too sweet, but I don't want it to be too pungent either. So, like I. I look at all of that to where a, a piece of pizza is a piece of pizza. If you're just trying to get off on eating up and getting some calories in you and filling up, then, yeah, you could grab a piece of, a piece of Little Caesars Little Caesar, and be yeah. fine, right? Because cheese on bread with butter on it is hard to F up. Right. But a real good pizza that's done right, I like I, – I'm not kidding. I just came from Tennessee, and I was running with this dude, Jason. I'm not going to say his last name on here. I don't know if he'd want me to – he might. His last name's Perringer, okay? He owns a catering company. And, dude, he made these Traeger pizzas. He let me put some of the toppings on, but he made these Traeger pizzas. I saw that on
1: your story. Dude, it was
0: the bomb. Like, one of the best bites of pizza I've had in a long time. And
1: that's like an artisan-style pizza, wouldn't you say? Yeah. It looked like it, at least. I wasn't there, but the picture or the video I saw. And I like, you know, that's 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 an enjoyable pizza. That's like... You know, that's like cooking a that's like you said, cooking a filet mignon versus having your, you know, basic top sirloin steak, you know, for dinner with the family. You're not going to eat. I guess you could eat that steak every day. But, you know, you're you're just got done with baseball practice and you got to feed two or three kids. You know, like you said, you're grabbing that more traditional style pizza. But, man, those artisan ones.
0: And what do you consider artisan?
1: You know, more like that style, thinner crust. You know, less less cheese, light sauce, not a ton of meat. More, you know, you're you're getting a uh, you're not overwhelmed by one ingredient over the other. You know what I mean? So, you know, your typical pizza to me, you know, you're getting a lot of sauce, a lot of cheese. You know, they all pride themselves on double pepperoni, triple pepperoni cheese in the crust, you know there's always a lot of ingredients where those artisan pizzas are I think a little bit more simple and you know not simple ingredients they're usually more complex ingredients, but less of them you know what I mean they're not like a big heavy pizza you're getting you know a little bit of of each element with the bite yeah i agree i
0: think I think pizza like is would be i don't know like if I was on death row. I don't know, man. A lot of a good filet mignon is hard to argue with, but it would be probably at this point in my life would be sushi or a good pizza. Mm -hmm. Like if it's death row, I'm going like a large pie all to myself. Just mowing it down. But no, i probably take my time, drink it with some like nice Chianti. No, (laughs) but I would freaking enjoy it. But I just think that it would be hard for me to go into and I cook a lot. I cook a lot and I've eaten all over the world, all over Europe, South America, Canada, all over the place. But I don't think that I would have it in me to go in there and then publish it and be like, this was the worst piece of pizza I've ever had in my life, or this fish sucked so bad that, because I don't know what, one, who gives a shit what I think. (laughs) Who gives a shit? And two, I don't, I don't know if I really would feel credible enough. So it makes me wonder how these people like do it of like I am a self-proclaimed influencer mm-hmm. because I'm building this following based on what? Based on what?
1: Usually well, usually it's some stupid shtick, you know, or something got them some, some eyeballs on them. And now, you know, that's where it comes out, in my opinion. You know, uh, very few people have just grinded out you know criticizing restaurants all through their local town and conor mcgregor's not a whiskey maker he's not a distiller
0: he's probably growing up not even a drinker i'm just assuming this right not even a drinker of fine irish whiskeys or single malt whiskeys or bourbons or scotch or tennessee sour mash like jack daniels right but he is the most explosive mma fighter of all time as far as being able to sell a fight He's popular, brings mm-hmm. Irish fans over, sells out arenas, talks a lot of smack. Whether he wins or loses, he's still like the favorite, right? A lot, of, a lot of charisma. He puts his name on that whiskey, invests in it, sells it for a good bit of money, makes the whole world think that proper 12 good. But is it? But is it? Yeah, Jack Daniels doesn't has, does not pay one endorser. They don't pay anybody. He's an owner in that company saying that. Now, he has every right to do that. But he's going out to these people that love him as a fighter. And then you look at a guy like me that I'm known for being a duck hunter. But now I'm trying to sell you beef. What gives me the right to do that? I could sell you a duck call because I know my way around a duck call and I know how to design a duck call and I know how to blow a duck call. But now I'm saying, all right, I've ventured off into this company, this American Almond Beef. I'm an, I'm a, an investor and in, I'm an owner in it. But it's also unbelievably good but do I have the right to go do that? I'm yep. not saying that Conor McGregor doesn't have the right to do that. No, no, no. But how does he make that whiskey so popular? It's got to have some kind of good to it, right? It's or it can, because it can't suck and still become that famous is what I'm trying to get at. Or can it? Based can the rocks? Can the Rock have a shitty tequila and sell the heck out of it based on him being the Rock and yes. him having all this credibility
1: with his fan base? Yeah. Well, I don't know about credibility, but yes. You're a bad example because you do know how to cook, so you should have picked something else. But I agree. I mean, I think that's a two good examples of more than celebrity likely celebrity endorsement. You know, you know, The Rock doesn't drink.
0: He drinks tequila. He shows him shooting it on the fr- and blending up margaritas on his deal. From what I remember, I don't follow Real him it? anymore. I don't know. He drinks tequila. See, that's what I love about The Rock and what pissed me off so bad about who he endorsed for the presidency of the United States, which you should, you know, whether it was bad or good and what he did, it's my opinion. They just stay out of it. But like, he he seems like a country boy to me. He's got horses. He fishes. He listens to Drake white music. He listens to country music. He listens to good rock music. He's a hard worker. He's an entrepreneur. He's an athlete. Like it didn't make sense to me, like the light, like what he, what he was trying to, it was kind of like. It was kind of like uh, not the right balance for me as far as, well, you, you stand for all this, but now you're saying you stand
1: for this. Probably like doesn't that, stand for anything. you just was looking out an for And endorsement.
0: My point exactly. Mm-hmm. So really, does that lose him credibility is saying, come watch this movie. It's really good. Well, I can't tell you the last Rock movie that I enjoyed. Now, I haven't seen that many. I tried to watch Central Intelligence or that one with Kevin Hart. I could not even keep it on for five minutes. But his fans, his
1: super fans, probably will watch anything he puts out there. What was the one he did with Will Ferrell? He, he was only in for a short time, but it was pretty funny. The replacements or the bad, the good yeah, guys. Yeah, that was, wasn't The
0: Rock. He it was, he was very, just in the first five minutes. Yeah. That was Mark Wahlberg.
1: Right, but um, his first couple minutes in that movie were pretty good. Was it? It was funny. I, I can't seen- think of what else he's been in what was he in the mummy he was or whatever standing
0: tall which was like the last that was a good movie i, I know i like that movie that was like the roadhouse but then I, but there was just a lot of them lately but i haven't seen like the jumanjis I haven't, seen, I haven't seen that either i haven't seen a lot of the movies that he has out there so i don't know like celebrity endorsement endorsement foodies uh ambassadors uh self-proclaimed influencers who are we listening to who are we supposed to listen to anymore it's it used a, to be Siskel and Ebert.
1: We give it two <laughs> thumbs down. Well, I ain't going to that movie. Right. What what was the uh the the Rotten Tomatoes or whatever the uh remember the popcorn I think that was local but you know The Rotten Tomatoes dude, every time I look at Rotten Tomatoes,
0: they don't like any movies. Right. It's like they're just if like If
1: you can get a 60 on that, you're good. But remember remember there it was in the paper or something here and it would have, like, the popcorn was, like, all excited, and that was a good movie, and then there was one where it was, like, spilled over, and that was a bad movie. I used to look at that, for, see what movies I should go watch. You're right, though. We're, life in general, we're, we're pulled and steered and influenced in so many different directions. And, I, yeah, I I think a lot of people have forgotten how that affects real people. You know what I mean? And that's what, like you said, if if, if that guy from... Foodandbeverage.com gives you a, a poor rating on your steak or your rubs or something. You you could you could potentially lose millions of dollars. But know? I'm like,
0: asking for it by putting it out there. Sure. Okay, so I'm asking like it, like you you read the review so far on the provider dry rubs, and everybody's like, Oh my gosh, this is unreal. I love it. it does, it's not too salty. So many rubs are salty. These rubs are legit like i would i've eaten a lot of dry rubs like i worked my ass off for 10 months coming up with these dry rub profiles going back and forth with the mixologists and getting them right and saying yes this one's perfect this one's got it this one's that's it so who am i to say that another dry rub there's a lot of good dry rubs out there lots we just have a different stance on it a different approach but so far a lot of people are like oh my god these are awesome but you, I am asking for it. If I send those to Food and Beverage Magazine or a foodie, and they come back and say, this crosshairs rub tastes like a jar of pickles, and it sucks. I wouldn't use this. Then I'm sitting there going, damn it. Why did I even freaking put it out there? Because on the other end of the spectrum is, this is the best rub I've ever tried. You all need to try this. Right. But then again, does that critique but, have hold
1: water? But you hit, you hit another thing. Certain people love salt. Certain people don't. So, say you send it to a guy that's a big salt lover and he gets in and goes, Not enough salt in this. But dry rubs aren't supposed to be real salty. Well, but I'm just saying, you know, maybe that, that's what that dude likes because you said a lot of them are salty. So maybe he's used to one that's got a ton of salt in it. To no fault of your own and to what, you know, uh, caters to other tastes, you could get a negative review. And I get that you're asking for it. You're asking for it in any business, right? If you open up a car detailing shop, you know, someone could well, say you don't a, like the way you clean their car. if you're an employee of a
0: company and you clock in nine to five every day, you're being critiqued. You have what they call mm-hmm. reviews. 100%. If you own your own business, you're going to get critiqued. Your sales employees are, no are going to say this sucks. There's <laughs> going to be sales. There's not going to be sales. Going to be There's going to be a good acceptance of your brand when you go to market, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. In one way or the other, we're all putting ourselves out there to be critiqued. It just seems like in today's world, there's a lot of professional critiquers that get to hide behind that keyboard. Amateur. That they don't, the
1: amateur they, critiquers. Yeah, they're not yeah.
0: qualified to even do it.
1: I was just going to say, usually in that example, you've got a manager that's qualified to critique yeah, people. Yeah,
0: hibbakers work their way up.
1: Right. Right. You know, I guess that's kind of the – we've been talking heavily about either retail or, you know, the uh, the food service industry. Where you're going to get a lot of the amateur critiquers. You're you're going to put a product out there. You're going to put a steak out there. You're going to put a rub out there, and and someone's going to purchase it, and then you're at their mercy, so to speak. You know of what their taste might be like, which is hard. You know what I mean. You your, your beef is second to none. What if a guy has it served to him grossly overcooked, and he blames it on you? You know, hundred percent. What if what if somebody takes your put your dry rub on something and then and then the guy goes back over the top of it with a tablespoon of salt and the guy goes oh this is done in that rub well, hopefully God, they know how to cook. right but a lot of risk out there right and you got a lot of people like you just said amateur critiquers that some of them have a big following man you know some of them a lot of them have big followings. yeah and then they can like i said you can directly you know hurt a person a person's business person's livelihood What if you're in a bad mood that day and everything tastes like shit? What if you're hungover? What if you're not feeling well? You know, and you you, you let that cloud your judgment and you're critiquing somebody's livelihood. It's a a bigger responsibility maybe than they think. That's the point, Mm -hmm. is that they're not thinking
0: about how it can affect. Like that movie, going back to John Favreau and the chef – that completely changed the outcome of his life. And in Hollywood, it turned out to be okay because mm-hmm. he moves to Miami. He buys the food truck. He falls in love again with his ex-wife. He makes the Cabano sandwich. He becomes friends with all these people in the inner cities, of, in their, the inner linings of Miami. And boom, he's on. And then that, that chef comes back and critiques it again and says, wow, this is unbelievable. So really, he wins in the end. But that's Hollywood. Yep. Um but a lot of these shows that you see whether it's Guy Fieri or Hell's Kitchen with Gordon Ramsay they're critiquing people they're saying you're not going to go on to the next round because her meatloaf is better than yours well that was my grandma's recipe well your grandma didn't know how to cook re- meatloaf that good you were just being told it was supposed to be that way this is different now you're out and now you got to go live with that that you're not as good as this girl was in this judge's eyes These shows are all over. There's competition in everything that we do. Uh You're being critiqued in everything that you do. Um, I don't know. I guess it's just that you have to have broad shoulders. You have to let it just slide off your back and be like, hey, I gotta keep doing it. I believe in this product, I believe in this dry rub, I believe in this pizza, whatever. I'm not trying to feed the world crap. But we have a lot of different critique, critique critics out there now that have the ability to sway people based on their social media following and their you know their i guess their
1: overall reach i i just watched a uh it was like a barbecue competition show and the dude had been making this certain kind of sausage you know smoked sausage his whole life and then he had a heart attack or something like that so he he cut all the salt out of this sausage you know what i mean because he had had this heart attack and when he served it to the judges they all said it's it's not good you know it it needed salt he said well i had a heart attack i can't eat that salt and they were like but you can't cook that you'd have to adjust this recipe all the way you can't just take all the salt out of it it's no good anymore you know and and at least that was an honest critique you know what i mean and the dude even was like you're right you know i just was more thinking about myself my own personal Heart health, not really that sausage. You know, that's an honest critique probably by three or four people that deserve to give that critique. I don't remember who the judges were, but, you know, there are certain people qualified to do this job, do that job. They barbecued their whole life. I would hope so. Yeah.
0: I would really hope so that the people that judge the best in the West Rib Cook-Off have experience and understand their palate and what the— what the taste is, because really you're putting you're putting all, all your eggs in a basket of people that do may or may not have the credibility to even be that judge.
1: Well, and it, you you tapped on it earlier, man, that it used to be that if you were a model, you know, GQ or whoever picked you up and took your photographs and put you in a publication, publications are all but digital now. Right. So now you got all these digital models. Right. A good looking gal guy takes a picture of themselves on a phone, puts it on, you know, social media, gets a bunch of likes and all of a sudden they're a model, you know, it's like there there used to be higher standards, I guess, barriers to entry for things. I'm not saying it's right, wrong, or indifferent, but it it is definitely, there's some responsibility out there on those that choose to do this kind of stuff. And I hope that, you know, they take it seriously all the way around. And how does this apply to you know,
0: us of being able to, I guess word of mouth is going to travel. If you go in and have a bad experience, right, and you have a bad, let's say, at a sushi bar, you're probably going to tell your friends, man, I ain't going back to the fish wasn't fresh. That's on the restaurant because I have eaten enough raw fish to know if it's fresh, if it's prepared right, if it's been slight, you know, cut right and and, and, and taken care of and, and, maintain, and maintained the right way. If I get a fishy smell or a fishy taste or bad octopus or bad salmon or something, I'm probably going to hesitate going back there. Do you give them another chance? When you start dealing with something like fish, you open up a cooler and get a fishy smell. It makes you afraid to open up a cooler for a minute. So when you start talking about eating fish and going to a raw fish restaurant, and you're probably not going to go back there. Will you ever go back there? Maybe. But all it takes is one little scrutiny like that of smelling it or tasting it wrong and being like i'm not coming back here it's not fresh enough Mm -hmm. and in today's world of sushi bars there's a lot of inner 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 coastal sushi bars now you can go to you can go to wichita kansas in the middle of the country and there's sushi Mm -hmm. how are they keeping it fresh
1: they're not is it It flying
0: in there every day where what ocean are they getting it from i mean it would be so expensive if it was i mean you know what I mean? Like, you oh, yeah. gotta, there's a lot to take into consideration when you're dealing with these instances of like word of mouth. I gotta, you gotta really, you're going out there and you're opening up a restaurant or you're putting a product out there, you're opening yourself up for critique. The problem is, is that there's a lot of critiques out there that might not be qualified, but who is and
1: who isn't? That's the question. That is the question. And I hope that people are, you know, open minded enough to, Give a place a second chance. You know what I mean. I give give a product a second chance. Service. You know we we barely tapped on service. If you're ixnay in a restaurant from one one or I don't know, it doesn't apply to products, but a restaurant from one instance of poor service, that's a disservice to your community. You know what I mean? I think that. If if you've gone to a restaurant four or five times and you've gotten bad service, by all means, you know if they're and, and if their management isn't going to take it into consideration, you know you get one bad meal at a place. I sure hope you're going back and trying it a second time before you say I'm never eating there again. You know it, it's just battles can't be you know won and lost in 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 that kind of arena. You know from one sampling and. You know I think unfortunately, in our society, everybody's quick to do that. you know what I mean It's just oh I'm never going to that place again you I hear people say it all the time. I'm probably guilty of saying it. I typically try a place I know there's a restaurant here in town that I've been to at least five times and I've gotten bad service there almost every single time and and you what know brings you, walk, you back i th- i I want to do right by our community, you know what I mean I want to, but they're it, not doing right by the community no, I know but I mean. I guess I hope that they would make it better, you know, for a local restaurant, a chain restaurant. I, you know, I would never go back, you know, but not never go back. But I'm saying in this particular instance where it's been bad every time, but it's a local, you know, local establishment. You want them to do well. Again, if they're not going to address it, you're right. They're not doing right by the community. You're right. I'm just saying that if you broke that down for me. Thank you.
0: Well, if it's a social, (laughs) if it's a, if it's a service deal it's social skills. It's something to where the management has to maintain that because service is a big part of the restaurant or the retail experience. hundred percent. You, when I get, like I was in a hobby store, craft store with my daughter and go ahead. Sorry. There there it was. (laughs) Um, And this lady comes up to us and she's like, what are y'all looking for? And I'm like, well, we got this list. She goes, give me the list. (laughs) <laughs> Boom. I'm talking like four minutes. Just like, here's this, here's that, here's this, here's what you do with this. This is, I've, I've seen this project before. And I'm like, that was freaking awesome. She like literally, and she made a comment like, this is my third store. They've had me in this week. So obviously they put her in a bunch of stores, probably because she's good. Right. She's like, it's good. It might take me a minute to find a couple of these, but I'll get you on the right track. Like that's, that brings me back there. I love that. That brings me right back there of like, man, I'm going back there. And then you go back there and she's at another store. And then you got this freaking waterhead in there. That's like ah cigarette break. And then you're like, shit, what happened to Angie? She was unbelievable. But that whole, that is everything in every experience. Like a bad food experience can be softened up by good, by good service. If their smiles and the waitress or waiter is is knowledgeable of the menu, if you ask for a recommendation, if they, you ask what else is there to do in town this night, and they're real pleasurable to talk to, and they they've taken the time to hone their skills in for that job instead of just being like ah I mean it's you know whatever I just this is just a pick me up gig for a little bit. If it's a good wet restaurant and they care about their people, they're probably going to have a staff that's going to be knowledgeable of the area, knowledgeable of the menu, knowledgeable of the flavor profiles, be able to give you a good recommendation and and that's what i look for is like when i don't like to go to a lot of chains they are chains are they had to be good at one time they all started as mom and pop somewhere probably and they grew into something that became famous but i like going when i go to somewhere you know outside of where i'm from i like to go to something that's local to that area whether it's a fish house or whether it's a bar and grill or whatever it is. I like to experience that the flavor of that place. Applebee's in Chico is the same as Applebee's in Reno. It might just have different servers at it. But right. the menu's the exact same. That's what corporate does in franchises. They make sure you cook their exact menu. I like to, to like really experience the area for what it's worth. We like when, you to go to uh... Memphis, when you go to Memphis, you go to Rendezvous. You don't, you know, you go to Capital Barbecue or Rendezvous, you don't go to, Tops is good too. There's a lot of local barbecue houses there, but you wouldn't go to like McDonald's and get a barbecue chicken sandwich. Right. You know what I'm saying? I want to experience the local flavor. McDonald's is a terrible sample example of barbecue. I just can't think of a national barbecue chain. Is there one?
1: Dickies or
0: Dickies. There's uh, one. Yeah, Dickies. I wouldn't go to Dickies in Memphis. Right. Yeah. I'd go experience the local barbecue. Not that Dickies isn't good. Sure. It, it, at one time it was local, but I can get Dickies here. Right. So I always try to go in and like experience something local. And I want the experience. I want if you go to the rendezvous barbecue house in Memphis, I'm not a huge fan of the food. The dry rub ribs are what they're known for, and they're okay to me. But the service is amazing. The stories. There's employee. the the longest the shortest tenure waiter there is 10 12 15 years wow some of them are 30 40 years waiters that have been taken care of by the owner of this company and the family that's cool i love that kind of stuff the food's just okay the experience is awesome we went again i don't go sorry to interrupt you because i'm going back to our basis of this i don't go there and go don't ever go to rendezvous the ribs suck the ribs are fine to each their own what they like the ribs are good they're not my favorite the sausage and cheese plate unbelievable unreal the dry rub and the seasoning they put on it is out of this world but the service is amazing the bus boys the maitre d the waiters the waitresses the waiters they're all amazing people Whole experience i love that even though i know there's better barbecue out there i go to rendezvous at least one time every time i'm in memphis
1: i w- i was just going to tell you that uh rock took us to the fifth street steakhouse and i had been there before but of course knowledge you know, obviously, he's been there many times. You've been there many times. He ordered this. You know, he said, "We we got to get a shrimp cocktail." It's unbelievable. I t- I typically would never order that at a restaurant, especially at like a steakhouse. You know, I, I I just wouldn't do it. It was it was unreal. Yeah, I, I could have just prongs. eaten that. Yeah. I could have just eaten that. That place is unreal. It's so good. Fish Street's on a different
0: level. Service, the bar, yeah. the atmosphere, the culture, then the food, the freaking, from pork chops to the asparagus, to the mushrooms, to the horseradish, the steaks are a given. The yep. lobster tails there are amazing, but they fly them in fresh out of the bay every day. It's an amazing restaurant.
1: Yeah. And we, you know, even during it was all this COVID, you know, where going to a restaurant's difficult very very difficult in california and it was like you said the atmosphere was awesome you know just i love seeing all the you know waiters and waitresses and bus boys hustling around and you know the 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 hostess and just all you know you can that big open kitchen you can see everybody busting their ass it's cool it's a you know it's a cool experience it's a whole experience to be at that restaurant and you know i'm sure there was a Applebee's or some other restaurant, chain restaurant around there. But Chico, you know, downtown, you go to the 5th Street, and yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, I love that.
0: And that's how word of mouth spreads is that I've been going there for six years now, and I've never had a bad meal, never have had a bad experience, even though sometimes maybe the mushroom was overcooked or the appetizer came out a little bit late because they were busy. I would never sit there and, and go out and go, this... I've always just said this place is unreal. It's awesome. That's how word of mouth works. But again, a foodie would go on and tell their whole downline about that place. And I don't know if I ever would do that. But again, why wouldn't I? So is being a foodie bad? I don't know. I don't even know what a foodie is, first of all. I still haven't figured out what a foodie is. I don't know what a hipster is. I don't know what the new generation of babies raising babies raising babies is with the you know the people that are coming up of age right now. I'm, I'm there's a lot of terms that are being thrown around out there that I really don't know what they are. I would argue that most people don't know what they are. I couldn't tell you what a hipster is. No, because it has the word hippie in it. Right. You're hip, but you're also a gangster, hip and stir.
1: So it's like a like a hippie thug. It's like a '60s late '80s mix. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe.
0: Because I do love the 80s. I don't know a whole lot about the 60s.
1: Wasn't around during the 60s. But I like
0: wearing fanny packs. What's that make you? Stud.
1: I was going to say a a purveyor of convenience. They have your wallet and everything right there in the front. Everybody makes fun of me for wearing them. I could see that, too. They're amazing. I just saw... It's a satchel. There's a a documentary about that uh, Boston art theft. Did you... Did you watch that yet? How do you find out about documentaries? That's somebody, another phenomenon. Somebody told me about it. But the guy, one of the security, this happened in the 90s, I believe. Late 80s, 90s, anyway. The <coughs> security guard that they they duct taped up was wearing a fanny pack, and they made sure to show the photo of him duct taped up with his fanny pack. And they made sure to, when they did like the reenactment of him, you know, kind of making his rounds, they showed that fanny pack again. They, they really made sure to... uh accentuate that fanny pack. And I did think about you when I saw it. His was like a multicolored, not not really as cool as yours, you know? I have like
0: probably over 20 of them now.
1: And it's getting to summer. That's when you tend to wear yours the most, don't you think?
0: Yeah, pre-COVID. I wear them every concert, every gig, every, <laughs> every special event.
1: Did you go to a concert the other night? Two of them. With a lot of people there?
0: Yeah, sold out, both of them. I mean, obviously it was... Like the social distance, like the room holds 1,500 people and I think they put 850 in it. Or no, it holds 2,500 people and they put 850 in it both nights. Where was that? Graceland, Memphis. Right at Elvis's house. So they're kind of getting back to having some shows and stuff? People are? A lot of people are booking shows. Shit, I've seen shows in Florida that are wide open. Really? Yeah, shoulder to shoulder. Daytona looked like it was shoulder to shoulder at the music festival that Luke Combs played dang so we really didn't figure out anything in this whole deal you're allowed to critique who's who do you listen to if somebody says that that's the best sushi i've ever eaten what credibility do they have to say that do you take the time out to go read or listen to what these so-called foodies are saying i need to be educated more on this like you know if i have somebody like chad ward tell me go eat the char bar in kansas city I believe him because mm-hmm. the dude knows barbecue. Mm-hmm. So then I meet the owner of the char bar, Mitch Benjamin, and this dude knows barbecue. And the char bar is awesome. What a great name for a freaking restaurant, that is dude. Nice. And um so, like that recommendation, Chad Ward knows what he's talking about. I'm gonna take it. But if you told me, go eat this barbecue, it's the best I've ever had. I don't know if you have any credibility in judging barbecue because you hate to cook. You don't know how to cook. You like to throw things on the traeger once in a while. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you really eat fine food, but your dad knows how to cook. You've had some good meals. How could I not trust you that you say it's
1: good barbecue? You know what I'm saying? Who has the ability to critique? I don't believe I do. I you might don't? just make a suggestion. My suggestions are centered more like yours, though. If I have a good experience, you know, good experience, Good service, what I think is a good meal, I'll recommend it all the time. But I don't have the yeah, I don't have the knowledge to break down a, a meal and give you what it should have been or how it should be. Or, nobody should listen to me on food. But I know what fun restaurants are. You know, I know what a good experience is. If somebody asked me where to go eat lunch tomorrow, I could give them five restaurants that I've enjoyed. You know. So what is the funnier movie,
0: Hangover One or Wedding Crashers?
1: I would probably go Wedding Crashers. That's where we're going to pick it next time right here
0: on Breaking It Down. We're finally going to break down our opinions and thoughts on Wedding Crashers with Owen Wilson, Vince Vaughn. There's so many good actors in that. Bradley Cooper, hmm. Christopher Walken, lots more. Stogies? Will Smith. Against another Bradley Cooper movie, which was done by todd who is it? Todd what? Todd Smith? Todd— Oh my uh, gosh! I, I know can't that
1: it last name either.
0: He does a cameo in every one of his movies. We need a fact checker. Todd, what? I'm, I'm trying to look. The it up Hangover real quick. Part One, which was another hilarious movie. Then we should do a bracket of like super bad because it's Phillips. a hilarious movie. Todd who? Phillips. Phillips. Todd Phillips. There's so many funny movies out there. I think the funniest movies have been made in the last ten years. In the in the history of comedies. Because you got the Caddyshacks, you got the Fletches, you got there's you, you got um what's what's the big Belushi one? God, I'm an idiot. Not Blues Brothers. No, the other one about the college house, the fraternity oh, animal, animal house. house. Um, Revenge of the Nerds, classic, 16 candles. I think the funniest movies have been made in the last 10 years. Bill Murray's got hilarious movies. Okay, he's had some What About Bobs and Freaking Groundhog Day, but Wedding Crashers, super bad. Hangover One, um, Step Brothers even had some shit in it where you're like fall down funny. I think that's a great movie, too. Um, old School, I think the funniest movies in the history of cinema have been made in the last 10 years. I think you might we're have gonna to break that, that out down. to
1: 15 years.
0: 15 years? Maybe 15 years, but that's what we're going to talk about next time is we're going to start with Hangover 1 versus Wedding Crashers, and then we're going to talk about comedies because we've already hit on Eddie Murphy a little bit, which there's more to talk about Eddie Murphy um, because his new comedy is like you can't even last five minutes in it.
1: Like what makes a guy make that movie? Clint and I watched it, Turkey Camp. You got through the whole thing? We, we, We told ourselves we would watch it with an open mind. Is it the worst at, you've ever at least, seen? At least six to seven to ten Bud Lights each in us. No one laughed. I, I, we did make it through the whole thing. It was the worst. Where'd you watch it? Rocky's Big TV? Yeah. It's oh, the yeah. worst movie I've ever seen. Maybe yeah. not the worst I've ever seen. How do you seen. do that? How do you
0: do that as Eddie Murphy? He must have got paid a butt ton of money I, I, from Prime, well, from Amazon. And you just ruined the legacy of one of another great comedy. But that's the thing is that there's a lot of funny Eddie Murphy movies that were made before 15 years ago. But are they as funny? Is Beverly Hills Cop 1 as funny as Wedding Crashers? No. Mm-hmm. Is another? Is 48 Hours as funny as Hangover, in my opinion? No. no. Is Coming to America funny? F- as funny as either one of them? It could be. It could be. <laughs> that could be the one that would have me going. The barbershop scenes, the donation scene. Just the language. Just the yeah you know, coming to arsenio America.
1: halls freaking uh it's just all right that's
0: breaking it down we'll be back with another episode jack daniels thank you for sponsoring our podcast this life ain't for everybody breaking it down with chad and alex hit that button tom jake this is brent Cobb. the morning's gonna come